Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. Later on the show, we'll be talking to author and podcast host Joe Piazza. But like we do now every week, first we're going to do a check-in. Hi, Kim. How are you doing today? Jen, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm okay. You know, I got the shot. Um, I got the I got my vaccination on Saturday. And did you know that some women, perimenopausal or menopausal women, are having like a menstrual reaction to the shot? Really? Like it's making it's making women who haven't gotten their period in years get their period. I mean, this is anecdotal. This is not science, anybody, but this is anecdotal. Making period people who haven't gotten their period in years get their period. And for me, I had just an unbelievable crimson wave. <laughs> it was Did just you a, really? Woo! Yes, it was insane. I think I'm just over it. And I had a sort of hot flash anxiety attack combo yesterday. Like my hormones from, I think from the um, vaccination were just very like out of whack for several days afterwards. And yesterday I took um, my kid to the store and on the way back, I was like panting like a, like a, like a demon. And I, I had to like lay down and like fan myself. And my, my daughter was like, are you okay? And I was like, look, I, I think this is a hot flash. And she was like, is that like puberty? I was like, I was like, sort of, you're kind of right. But yeah, it was like a, it was, all, it was a whole, whole thing. Um, I, you know, I obviously made it through it, but I, Nobody's really talking about that the the um, vaccination can affect your hormones. I is my understanding. So I, I seem to be recovered today. But I'm I'm very happy to hear you're recovered. I had my first hot flash in a Madewell store, and I told myself <laughs> I was like, okay, if you're having hot flashes, you are too fucking old to shop at Madewell. First of all, I mean, at least you weren't in Forever Twenty One. <laughs> oh my God, the indignity of that. No, that's crazy, though, about women getting their periods. I hadn't heard that at all. When are you getting your second shot? 
in two weeks, I'm getting my second shot. But you feel really, but you feel really relieved, right? Oh, I, I mean, it, I can't even tell you. It was like, it was like a veil, like a cloak came off my body getting that shot. It just felt like the release of the last year of anxiety. I mean, you know, I felt incredible when my parents got their vaccinations. Like that was the first thing I was like, oh mm-hmm. yes, thank God, because they both have a, some comorbidities and I was really worried about it. And they were also those kinds of people who were like, I can travel. I could right. take off my mask. And I was like, Ugh, the whole time. But it did feel for me, I was just like, it just very much like felt like, oh, we're closer to the end in the beginning, finally. Yes. I, I pictured like, I was like, I got the shot and I was driving through LA and I was seeing people like eating outside. And I was like, oh, soon I will eat outside <laughs> in, in a restaurant. Soon I may be served a cocktail in a bar. Like I had this like amazing just feeling of freedom. And then, and then I went to the 99 cent store. Like I just, <laughs> I don't even know what I was doing, but like I, I, I took my freedom right to the 99 cent store. I dined in a restaurant last week indoors inside in oh right because you're fully vaxxed i'm fully vaxxed i and i went for my nephew's birthday we my mom and my brother and i went out with his kids my mom's vaccinated my brother's vaccinated the kids are kids so you know they were sort of on their own but um it was really kind of strange and wonderful did you have like, I mean, awesome, but did you have like, pan, like I've had so many anxiety dreams of being in a restaurant or being at a party and being like, why, why am I here? Why is my mask not on? Did it feel like a, a waking nightmare or did it? Feel like- no, it was, it, well, it was, we were the only people in the restaurant except for one other table. So, in, in, and it was this very like overdone restaurant, like very Upper East Side, like fancy Italian where like, you know, the salad fork has a salad fork. Um, right, right, right. The salad is a salad fork, right. Or no, but like I was trying to make a joke. It didn't work. <laughs> oh, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I got it. No, I'm sorry. I didn't sleep last night. I'm so slow in the uptake. I get the joke. <laughs> sorry. It was a medium joke. It wasn't such a good joke, but it was, a, there were lots of forks is my, is my message. So in that way, it did feel sort of like a dream. But not right. a waking nightmare. It was actually, it was really nice. And it did feel like, I remember this time last year thinking, I am really aware that we are just at the beginning of this. And I agree with you. I feel like now I can see the other side. What did you wear to go out to a restaurant? I wore some Neely Lotan trousers, black, and a silk shirt and some clogs. Okay. All right. I was just wondering, I really, I have not, I have, as you know, I'm, I'm really, this is a whole process for me. I was thinking about um, the audacity of a blouse today. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> particularly like all these people with these like puffed sleeve blouses. It's just like, and they look so done on zoom. All you really need is a puff sleeve. Like everybody else like, Oh, I'm my slouchy t-shirt or whatever. It's like the audacity of a puff sleeve. It's like, here I am. I've got it together. Even though there's, there's a pandemic, you know? Yeah. Like who the fuck is she? Yeah. By the way, by the way, my mother, my mother and I do this thing when we're FaceTiming where if we repeat a story, 
to each other, which we do all the time. We tap our heads twice, which is code for you've already told me this story. My mother, based on listening to our podcast, has now decided that I say fuck too much because she said fuck too much. And so now I am to tap my head twice every time she says fuck. And I'm also supposed to stop saying fuck. It's such a good word. I mean, it's a little lazy. It is a little lazy. (laughs) I can do better than fuck. I say fuck all the time. I can do better than it. I could do better. You know, I have a, I have an imagination and a decent vocabulary, not excellent, but you know, better than from whence I came. And I, I definitely don't say fuck, but it sometimes it's just like, Oh fuck. Sometimes it's just, there's, it's the best way to describe a feeling. It expresses so much. And then there's also the times when it's like, Oh fuck. It just works. Well, there's also that Wire episode the, the, from The Wire where the um, the two detectives, the whole episode is just fuck. And it's just the two of them going, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, fuck. And it's a whole, it's it's brilliant. It's like, it's it's amazing. But um, I do want to, before we get into this guest today, which I'm super excited about, Joe Piazza is our guest today. And her podcast is really interesting about something that to be honest with you, I fucking usually hate all mom culture things. I was never like a mommy lady. I was never like groups with other moms. It always made me feel uncomfortable. That probably was me. I probably missed out on all kinds of community, but whatever. I have some weird aversion to mommy things, but this podcast about mom influencers gets into like so much more than that, which is like the changing of the way we're experiencing media and like how influencers are basically the new women's magazines and the racial disparities and in influencing and you know, whatever I, I, it's really good. So I'm very excited to talk to her, but before we get into that, I do want you to talk about the change of heart. You may have had the sartorial change of heart. Interesting. I'm trying to remember. Well, we <laughs> just talked about it. We just talked about it. It, it involves something you previously hated and you may be turning around on. Oh, which... oh, oh, yes, of course. Overalls, overalls. Yes. I hate all articles that purport to tell women over 40 what they can no longer wear. I think they're all bullshit. However, I have always felt like overalls is a place I cannot go. But lately, I'm kind of liking overalls. And lately, I, 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 there's a brand called Denimist that I really like. And they had this cute pair of white overalls. And I, I got to say, I'm, I'm, I am coming around. I'm bringing you over to the dark side. To the dark side. Soon I'll be wearing bud press pants. That's big, big bud. Big, big bud, bud press. Anyway, we have a we have a good show. We have a good show. I'm excited about this show. Me too. Let's get into it. All right. Our guest today is Joe Piazza. Joe is a journalist, podcast host, and the best-selling author of nine, yes, nine books that have been translated into more than ten languages. She's currently the host of the acclaimed podcast, Under the Influence, about mom influencer culture, which just wrapped its first season. Joe's next novel, We Are Not Like Them, is out in October. Welcome, Joe. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I'm super psyched to talk to you about this freaky world of mom influence. Oh my God, it's so freaky. We have, so we have so much to talk. I could talk about it all day long. <laughs> I have been talking about it all day long for a year now. So I've got a lot to say. 
So tell us about, so tell us about under the influence and why did you want to do a podcast about mom influencer culture or what you call the mom influencer industrial complex? Sorry. The industrial, the industrial (laughs) complex. Uh, I, first off, I never thought that I would be doing a podcast about mom influencers. Let me just say that right up front. But then I had my second baby, B, who just, I mean, she, the kid didn't sleep. Like, or she would only sleep if she was attached to my body. So there's nothing you can do except scroll your phone on Instagram. There's no way to be productive. Like, I couldn't even watch the first season of West Wing, which is what I did with my first baby while I was breastfeeding him, which was such great comfort food. Just all these liberals with great hair, you know, being nice to each other. (laughs) But... All I could do was scroll Instagram and I was being served all of these picture perfect images of motherhood. And I very quickly realized they were strangers. They were clearly not my friends because my friends don't look like that. And they were all trying to sell me something. So I went a little deeper and did some reporting and realized that these mom influencers were making serious goddamn money. That they were, that this was an entire industry that had arisen as all of the jobs that I used to do in media were dying, that this was what this was what was replacing all of the magazines that I used to work at that that no longer exist anymore. Can I ask a question about how much money women make? Like if if a woman has, say, 100,000 followers Mm -hmm. on Instagram, how much money is she going to make off of her Instagram account? If you're if you hustle that hundred thousand and you are very good at what you do and you have high engagement, you're you can definitely easily pull in six figures on that. So we're talking a hundred thousand to I interviewed one woman, she has fifty-six thousand followers, but her engagement is very high. She's very, very good at what she does. And she pulled in three hundred grand last year. Hmm. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's good. That's good money. And it's, but what I realized reporting it is that it is a ton of work. They are, nothing is what it seems in the mom influencing world. They're hiring professional photographers. They're essentially creating mini magazines, which makes you feel a lot better when you look at it because you're like, oh, my shit, like they probably have a shitty life too. They just hired someone to clean their house and take pictures of the nice parts of their house. So now I feel a lot better about the whole thing. That brings me to a question I had, which um, Jennifer and I were talking yesterday about the fact that it seems like influences are being blamed for damaging women the same way people used to talk about fashion magazines being so damaging to women. Do you think that's true even for women in their 40s? Yes. Yes, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s. My, friend, my friends are in their 40s. And I think that's such a good point that the influencers are now being blamed for damaging women, which is amazing because it's just we, we're always blaming women for damaging other women. We're not thinking about the men who created these platforms or made these platforms so addicting or created the algorithms that only serve us beautiful pictures. Essentially, we blame the women who are making the content who in a lot of contexts are probably women that are very similar to 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 who we are. I mean, yes, they probably have cleaner houses than I have, but and their kids wear matching outfits, which my kids wear nothing except hand-me-downs and maybe something I bought like once a month at Target. But we always I just think we always blame the women. And that sucks. It completely sucks. And also one of the things I I started thinking about as I was reporting this podcast is we have agency. If you don't like following someone, just unfollow them. We don't have to hate follow them. You know what? For years and years, I didn't read Vogue. 
because God bless it. I couldn't afford anything in Vogue. It wasn't my jam. Wasn't what it wasn't what I it, it did make me feel vaguely bad about myself. So I didn't pick it up. So don't follow these women. There isn't there is an Instagram influencer and a t God forbid a fucking TikTok influencer for every type of woman out there. And you can pick and the beauty is you can pick and choose who you follow. Right. I mean, the, the thing is, when we're talking about women and we're talking about women blaming other women. There's also the thing in the, there was a recent episode of the podcast, which I thought was a brilliant episode. It was called Burning Cats. It was all about what a terrible place the internet is or can be for women and how much white women in particular turn on each other. And honestly, everyone else online. And I don't know, do you want to just talk about that episode a little bit? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, that episode, first off reporting that episode just scared the shit out of me. And the response to that episode was insane. Just, you know, hundreds of DMS in my inbox. We got the name of the episode burning cats from an article by another journalist, Katie Kelleher. She wrote an article about how she was addicted to reading nasty gossip about other women online, other like women, influencers, women, writers, and she couldn't stop. So she started researching it and compares it to what people in 18th century France did for entertainment. They burned cats in the public square. They're like, we're bored. Let's just burn some live cats. And it's very similar to what we do on the internet by leaving nasty comments, um, by perpetuating all of these hate boards about women influencers, women celebrities. We're just bored and lonely and trying to entertain ourselves. So instead of burning cats, we're burning other women. And it is. It's it's mostly white women. It's mostly women that are the same age as the women that they're tearing down. And we have we have a great academic researcher on the show. And the research into it is that a lot of it just comes from a place of loneliness and vulnerability in a world where for so long, women have been pitted against each other as if we have to see every other woman in the world as competition for finite resources. And that's been set up mostly by all of the men since the beginning of time. And by recognizing it, I think it's it's just interesting for us to take it to heart and be like, can we can we stop doing this? Can we stop burning each other like cats? Because we all came on the internet to try to find community because we're lonely and isolated and we want something, we want someone to show us how to be a woman in a world that hates women. You know, online abuse, it's something I absolutely just have no, I can't tolerate it. I like physically can't tolerate it. And being a person who now we call ourselves content creators. Oh, I hate that. But, but so it's, much. but it's, it, I mean, look, that's when it all, that's when it all went to shit when they started calling writing content. Oh, like that's, that's when, it. like, yeah. Yeah. then anybody can do it and it's a commodity. And, but I think it keeps women from putting themselves out there online and because it's just not worth it. And I wonder two things. I mean, first off, let me ask you, like, how do you deal with, I'm sure just even making this and getting in the world of influencers, like you probably got some harassment and criticism. Oh, like, yeah. How did you deal with that? So much hate. Now I, now I ignore it because I just, I, I think that my skin has gotten so thick over the years after getting so much hate thrown at me after writing a lot of content over the past 20 years of my life. And ever since social media came around, it has just been, I can't write anything that makes everyone happy. Like someone is always pissed off. Someone always thinks I'm the devil. Someone always thinks that I should burn in hell. But the hate from this podcast was really interesting because it was directed at my family sometimes. Wow. Because I was talking about moms and mom influencers and 
part of the podcast is that I try to be a mom influencer because I, I thought that that felt like the right thing to do. I didn't want, I was very clear that I did not want to like, shit on this world. I feel like a lot of articles about the mom influencing world just snark the hell out of it. They don't treat it like a business. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nastiness, even in ma- the mainstream press, honestly. And I think it's because a lot of people look down on what these women do. And that's not fair either. But a lot of the hate that I got from this was, oh, you'll never be a mom influencer. You're not you're not good looking enough or you're you're clearly a terrible mother that you're even trying this or look at the way you're holding your daughter in that picture like you're going to break her neck. And that when when they started attacking my mothering and my kids, that that got to be too much for me. And that was that was really the moment that I was like, I I don't want to have anything to do with my family on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. Did you learn any strategies for how, I mean, how these women who are super successful at being, you know, very online, any strategies for how they deal with it? Yeah, they turn, they turn it off. They, they, they have to, if, when, if they can continue going, if they're successful, they don't, they don't read it. They just don't read it. They have to shut it down. But so many women that it, it got to them that they, they legitimately had actual nervous breakdowns they have no, that that was what was so remarkable sorry to interrupt about your episode listening to these women sort of circle the drain as the result of all of this yeah they I mean they had to shut down not just their social media but then shut down their businesses because they're like the hate got to me the hate seeped into my skin and my brain and made me suicidal and depressed and i interviewed one of the women who created uh one of the sites that col- it's a place where women can comment on other women called get off my internets. And I, her response, I was like, you created this place where women read things about themselves that make them want to kill themselves. And she just said, then they shouldn't read it. Wow. Oh, you know, I mean, I do, I do wonder the part of the problem with all of this, this moving in this direction. And one of the things you say is that, you know, this is the future of content, right? Influencing is the future of content. And I think one of the problems now that I'm really thinking about it is that it is so individual and collaborative and you are alone, right? Mm -hmm. So where do you get feedback, right? You get feedbacks from the likes and the dings and the, you know, like, oh, I'm getting engagement. But how do you know if you're doing a good job, you're not working as part of a team, right? Doing something together. So it's almost, and, and this, I found this too, like being lonely, you're shooting a dart into the world by putting something online. And you wind up looking at the feedback in total, even though the feedback is not accurate because the people, the place that the feedback's coming from is not professional in any way for the most part, right? And even the positive is like, the positive is really big and the negative is really big and it's all outsized. But it's it's also, I imagine it also kind of perpetuates this like unhealthy sense of self, whether it's positive or negative because it's such lonely individual work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that absolutely makes it so much worse. And but the feedback isn't just like feedback either, right? Like in this industry, it translates into dollars. So you're getting the feedback and the likes and the dings. And of course, those feel good because you feel like you did something right. But you need those likes and those dings and those numbers for brands to keep paying you money. And we've seen, I saw some crazy stuff. I mean, there's one mom influencer who was so disappointed that one of her kids was less liked by the internet, by Instagram than her other kids. 
And so for his birthday, she asked the internet to like him more than they usually no, did. No, oh. no, that's awful. It's <sighs> awful. I, there's no, there's no other word for it than it's fucking awful. But it was true, and you know, I think that that's part of what scrambled my brain thinking about this. That your kid, it's not just you. When I'm putting myself out there in a story out there, I'm like, fine, take it or leave it, like it or hate it, like. I'll be fine. I'll do something else. But when your kid is the one that other people are liking and judging and that just that kid is I'm I'm like, well, he's going to turn into one of the Corys, either Haim or Feldman. Pick your poison. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Uh, either's bad. But that brings that brings something up that we were talking about yesterday, which is this fact that there's a debate that mom influencers are using their kids as, quote unquote, workers yeah. by including them in content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you think this exposure is affecting kids? We don't know yet. It's a it's a it's the wild west. It's an insane experiment because a lot of these kids or the kids haven't grown up yet. The influencing industry really what we're seeing on social media is only about five years old. There's the there's the kids of the early mommy bloggers, and some of them have come out and said it has completely ruined my relationship with my parents. I feel exposed. I don't trust people. I mean, my self my self image, my self worth, and my identity were really hard for me to form because I was constantly being put online, and the comments and the feedback were constantly coming back. But we have no idea what's going to happen to these kids of influencers who all of their images are constantly being put online. There's no regulation in this industry. And they are working. They are essentially workers in their parents' media company. And I think that that Mm -hmm. has to be acknowledged, especially now that SAG-AFTRA is allowing influencers into their union, which is so interesting. And we interviewed them in the last episode. But if influencers are allowed to unionize and pay into a health and a pension fund, then we need to think about laws protecting the influencers' children, who are the basis for so much of this content. Yeah. I mean, look, this didn't go that well for celebrity kids. No. Like, you know what I mean? Like giving, making children famous doesn't ever seem to go well. I, you know, there's, there's very few examples of it being like, yep, that was a great experience for me. Yep. I loved that. I just, I'm like, just every single cast member of different strokes. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all you know, so many, I mean, I'm thinking of Joan, you know, Joan Crawford's kids. Um, but I mean, which is, I'm not saying these influences are, are mommy dearest, but who knows? I don't know to get the shot right. Who knows? <laughs> but um, well, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get that shot right. One of the things that I did trying to become an influencer is that I did what influencers do, which is they hire a photographer to take a whole week or a whole month of content in one day. So none of this is happening in real time. It's essentially, we all know what a magazine photo shoot looks like. That's what it is. And so I hired someone to come and take pictures of my family. And I was like, we're going to shoot seven days of content. We got like one day of content because my kids hated it. They have, they have to take thousands of pictures and they have to pose and none of like, it did feel like work and they're babies. They're three and a half and one and a half. And they were just like, no more photos, no photos. And it was adorable and also so sad and just tragic at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me. You know, it's really contrived and inorganic. And it kind of goes against my entire parenting philosophy, which is like kids should just be able to kind of 
you know, the child-led parenting philosophy of letting kids be and do what they need to do. And instead you're sort of defining them from a very young age. I mean, you're defining them usually gender wise, you're gendering them for sure, but you're also like in a number of different ways, you're defining their experience in this, in this very contrived way that, that feels very inorganic to me. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't have a, yeah, I didn't have a young baby when, when Instagram was, I had like a one and a half year old. I was not influenced, let's say that, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, I, I feel like the most damaging thing though is that, is that they don't have privacy. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. just seems like a, a the most vulgar thing to like take that away from a child. Yeah. 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 It's, it's terrifying. We, and it's not even, it goes beyond influencers too, right? It's all of us that have small children in the age of social media and post pictures of our kids need to have some kind of reckoning about what we want to post, what we feel comfortable posting, whether or not all of our accounts should go private. Because even though we like to share these pictures of our kids, at the end of the day, the only people benefiting from it are the founders of Instagram and Facebook who need our content to sell ads. That's it. We're just spoon right. we're just spoon feeding them more and more money so they can serve an ad every three posts. Is that what we want to be doing with photos of our kids and the cost benefit analysis of is it is it is it enough what we're getting back, is that enough? The sharing, the camaraderie. And should we just shut it all the fuck down? Right. right. And the data sharing, you know, I was thinking oh. about like when, when I had my, I had my, when I had my daughter and, you know, I, everybody's waiting for you to have the baby, you know, it's that last month of pregnancy and everyone's like, Hey, do you have the baby? And you're like, you'll fucking know, like I'm not, you know, and she was, they, she was a week late and whatever. So I was thinking I posted like a birth announcement, basically mm-hmm. that gave like her time of birth her weight, Mm -hmm. like these very intimate details about her on Facebook. Yes. And who knows where that's been captured? You know, I've been thinking about that just the other day. I was thinking that was a real invasion of my child's privacy within hours of her life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, of course, it's been captured somewhere. We talk about that with an expert on data security in one of the episodes. And we, so with with one of these Instagram birth announcements, we post their first, middle, and usually their last name, or their last name is very obvious because people know your last name. We post, yeah, like you said, their like weight, height, all of that, which kind of tells whether or not you're like a healthy baby. It is a marker of something. And your address is so fucking easy to find. So they people have all of this information to make it very easy to steal your newborn baby's identity. Right. right. Right, right. And for what? So that I mean, I guess it's nice, you know, everybody gets to see pictures of your baby, but also newborn, nobody needs to see a picture of a newborn baby. They all look the same. They all look exactly (laughs) the same. I could post a picture of any newborn baby right now and be like, look, I just had a baby. And people would be like, Mm -hmm. of course you did. And I could be like, no, that is actually, you know, another Kardashian baby. That's not my baby. Right. I mean, any white, any white, any white newborn baby, any any white ish newborn baby. Like I've got all like olive colored skin with the scrunched up face they all look exactly the same and now a word from our sponsors 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Speaking of, of white people, um, there are, you know, there are some things that I find very unsettling about influencer culture. But one of the things I find so unsettling is how much it rewards lily white heteronormative women and really leaves behind influencers of color yeah. who seem to have fewer opportunities and get paid less um, for the ones that they do get. Mm -hmm. So what did your research find about that? There's a huge pay gap between what white influencers make and what influencers of color make. They definitely get sought out for way fewer opportunities. It's a problem. It's a problem that people are starting to recognize. And by people, I mean influencers of color. There are Instagram accounts, one called Influencer Pay Gap, where people can anonymously write in and say exactly what they were paid for a campaign, exactly what they had to do, and their race. It's fascinating to read through. And we read through some of them on the episode, but it has created a sense of transparency. Now, 
very very interesting after the reckoning of last year after after george floyd all of a sudden we all know this like speaking i I actually think there should be a podcast called speaking of white people um so speaking of white people all of these brands start scrambling right they're like oh my gosh we 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 have to we have to at least act like we care and i'm so cynical about that but a lot of them did and so they start reaching out to black female influencers and mass and all of these women were like screw you where were you a year ago two years ago like you didn't answer my emails um but yeah i talked to a lot of them they're like but you know we'll we'll figure this out like i i yes i want to be part of their campaign yes i want i want to get more exposure and i want to put my content with it with in their brand so that people can see more women like me so it's just a nasty terrible vicious circle that is hopefully getting better but brands have forever undervalued women of color the one influencer that I told you about who made $300,000 last year. And I wrote a profile about her for CNBC. She's a black mom influencer and she's so candid on the podcast and awesome. She's like, look, I am in a lot of these meetings, corporate meetings with all white men who have no idea how to talk to black women. And you know what I know how to do? Talk to black women. And so I tell them you should pay me a premium. Her confidence is incredible and that's why she's been so successful over the past year but she's like no one in your company knows how to do what i do and you are gonna pay for it and Mm. i that i think that is starting to happen but it's only very recent right are you optimistic i'm not optimistic about anything anymore (laughs) (laughs) you know one thing so before you did this and before you wrote a million books you were a gossip columnist for a long time. Um, in, a, in a recent episode of Under the Influence, you sort of reckon with those years, which was in the early aughts, mm-hmm. I think, right? And yeah, right. that was a time specifically when we were really hunting celebrities, particularly female celebrities. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about that work now? Like, how do you feel with everything you've learned, everything you've learned from this podcast, but everything just, just being older? Just being an old person in the world. I uh, yeah, just being a post forty, post forty year old, old in the world. Yeah. Oh, oh, I feel so gross. I feel well. I I mean, it, I have a lot of mixed emotions. First of all, I will say, being a gossip and celebrity reporter in New York City right before the internet ruined the world was fantastic. It was the best job I could have ever had in my 20s. And it also made me a goddamn great reporter because I was running around and it wasn't just celebrities. You know, we I was working for Russian Malloy. We're covering powerful people. We cover business people. We cover politicians. I've covered every presidential race since 2002. But I had to work harder because none of the people we report on ever want to talk to us. Never. Right. And so you learn how to dig deep and be a good reporter. And thankfully, I did report for George Rush and Joanna Malloy, who took this so seriously and taught me so like everything about ethics and journalistic morals that and how to be good at your job that I know today. And we had a very, very strict um, general counsel. So I feel like we did what we did the right way. That said, in the early aughts, 
women bashing was what got attention. And we're talking about Britney Spears melting down, Lindsay Lohan melting down, all of these young women who were ch child stars. Of course, of course, they were having breakdowns. But the world just loved the schadenfreude of watching them destroyed. And as a gossip columnist and as part of the media, I contributed to that. And I feel like shit about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you, what stories haunt you the most when you think back? Well, Brittany, Brittany haunts me now, uh, especially after watching the documentary. And it, she's always haunted me. I was the reporter that they flew out to L.A. when she shaved her head, when she was having her breakdown. And of course, I was a kid, right? I was probably 26, 27. What the hell did we were the same age? But what the hell did I know about being a mother? And I'm, right. I'm covering this woman who's clearly in the throes of postpartum and anxious and depressed. And I had no perspective on, and no one did. No one was covering her the way that we should have been covering her. And even I, I worked at some of the celebrity magazines as well. And, you know, what sold was Schadenfreude. There's a reason that Jennifer Aniston was on every cover of every magazine for so long because it sold well. The numbers were great. The money was there uh, because everyone wanted to see America's sweetheart heart torn down. And that goes back to what we were talking about with burning cats women wanting to tear down other women and I mean, it's stuff like I you know I I can't feel terrible all the time cuz you know then I'll just like go out and walk in front of a bus but there are lessons <laughs> that there are lessons that I want to think about as I raise a daughter in the world and as I raise a boy as a as a, a feminist young right now male presenting human in the world I I just I want to think about how to raise kids that don't want to burn cats yeah you know it's like trying to get at what that gut feeling is that makes people want to burn cats like i always think women are especially unkind to women and especially famous women who they believe to have an eating disorder oh yes yes and it's like i always want to say like and do say like if this is true then does this woman not deserve our empathy mm-hmm and, ba and bad plastic surgery, let's be honest. Yes. Like, we're, we can't stop. We can't stop looking for it. They can't stop hide, trying to hide it. It is, it is such a sick cycle. We can't stop because we don't want them to get older looking because if they look, if they look like an old bag, we're going to say some shit about them. I mean, not me. One will say some, some shit about them looking old. And then if they get work done, we're going to say something about them getting work done. Paulina Poroskova, the supermodel has been doing a lot of work. Uh, or not through, I mean, I guess she's doing a lot of work. She's been influencing me on, on Instagram about sort of all this, like, the the impossible double standard around aging for women which i think is so interesting and like you know kim and i you kim and i were obsessing over somebody's work yesterday sometimes yeah. you just can't you're like wait oh what yeah is we it? were we were i was like is it is it that weird under the skin facelift mm. like I the thing, but what i'm wondering about is that charge you know the charge that we get when we talk that kind of way about people the charge that women that it it, it I, I, I'm not being very articulate, but there's something that we find valuable in some like really cheap, quick way. Totally. I know, totally. but equally when somebody turns around and says, I mean, I have comments about me that are so small that are nothing even like this, that stay, that haunt me, that stay with me, that are like personal attacks online and they stay with me. So 
the fact that we even participate, I mean, granted, I'm not leaving comments on any of these women's Instagram saying, I know you got a facelift, but like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the fact that we participate it when we know when it's done to us, it's so painful. It's so painful. It, it, yeah. Yeah. But also the end, like, so I think Kim, Kim's totally right. There is this weird charge, this weird adrenaline rush, but then there's also the sense of camaraderie. It's like, oh, we're bonding over something like that. We're, mm -hmm. it's like, it's community building. We're like, we're sharing, we're sharing that charge in a way. And I think it's because we are all so hungry for camaraderie and community. And that is what has been served up to us as something that is okay for us to commiserate over to talk about someone else's plastic surgery and work even though all of the all of the nasty shit I talk about this in the show that people said about me stuck with me so hard I because I used to for my stories I did for the New York Daily News they it was run by all men so they made me do a lot of first person stories most of which involved me like trying out to be a cheerleader or I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a bikini and a boxing ring like it was so fucking disgusting but I, oh my god! But I did it. So my face was in the newspaper, and I remember people used to make comments about my nose all the time. And I got so self-conscious. Guys, I got a nose job. Like that no. made me. That made me get a nose job. And I will look. Wow. I, I, I do love my new nose. Like I think it looks wonderful <laughs> from all the angles. And I'm like, if you want a nose job, you do you. But yes, those comments made me do this. So of course, if you're a celebrity, getting like people talking about you and your body all the time, you are gonna fix that shit i know and even like even just the way that it's just like all this like hate and how it like bursts joy i imagine like i think about do's and don'ts like fashion do's and don'ts and i think about somebody showing up for the red carpet in like a look that they think is great that they're having some fun with and then finding themselves in Us Weekly, like, no, it's a don't. And also the people, particularly in Us Weekly, who did that like fashion round table were always like the dumbest, meanest, like worst yes, jokes in the world. Meanest, the mean and They're a lot so of a lot mean, but not even funny or clever, just like no. just garbage. No, just you know? Mean. But though the don'ts were even like the nice part of it. What about the pictures that circled people's cellulite on the beach? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The National Enquirer. Like mm -hmm. And it would all, it would just be like the whole cover would just be like Donatella Versace's butt. And I know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I can, I can conjure an image of Donatella Versace's butt. And I don't know. Right now, like, as, if, as, if uh, right now. Her, as if it were my baby's face, I can conjure an image of Donatella Versace's butt. <laughs> totally. And I don't know if I could name our secretary of state. <laughs> Nope, Tony. It's Tony something. Tony something. But, I, but it is not as clear in my mind as Donatella Versace's butt. That's hilarious. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, all right. Well, now, switching gears. Go, Kim. Well, you know, I did. I No, 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 no. I wanted to go back because I, but no, I'm not going to. I was just. No, go back. I was interested in hearing about the QA moms. Mm, mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I didn't, I had no idea we were going to go to QA mom by the end of this series, but it's a thing. QAnon and conspiracy theories have figured, the people behind them have figured out that mom influencers are very influential. And of course, part of their conspiracy cabal has to do with pedophilia and eating babies and child trafficking, all of which is very on brand for mom influencers to dislike. I mean, it's a hard thing not <laughs> it's a hard thing not to dislike. Like if someone came up to me and they're like, do you condone eating babies? I'd be like, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's great. 
And so a lot of mom influencers have been influenced and have started packaging QAnon conspiracy conspiracy theories within their beautiful content, just like slipping it in. Like, here's a smoothie recipe or the perfect white paint for your house. Oh, also, you should email your senator about ending this pedophile ring led by Hillary Clinton, who is clearly the devil. And the, the, the content is so beautifully packaged that if you don't know what's happening, you're like, oh, of, well, wow, like so they just exposed this big secret, this big lie, especially when all of us are getting our information and our news from in, not us, but a lot of people from their Instagram feeds instead of reading actual news. It's so it's very, very dangerous. And it's gotten more dangerous now that QAnon has been injecting, the pun intended, anti-vax news into a lot of these mom influencing accounts. Yeah, that's scary. I mean, I did see that there has been some crackdown um, on the Instagram accounts. Like they've been, it looks like they're kind of shutting them down and then the influencers are coming back and they're like, no, no, it's just dresses again. Like, <laughs> I, I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. But no, it's all terrifying. I mean, and you think about it, like we all will be high and mighty about how bad Facebook is, but they, Instagram's owned by Facebook. Exactly. All, oh, they're, all they're, the same. they're the same yeah. thing. They're all the same yeah. thing. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Thank you for satisfying my curiosity about QAmom. Oh, QAmom. I mean, I just, I like, I loved it so much. I was, I was on the phone with so many reporters that have been investigating it. And I just kept saying, I'm like, I want your beat. I did all I want to <laughs> do, even though I still don't fully, I can't fully grasp what QAnon even is. Like it's one of those things that just constantly confounds me, but I'll read anything about it. We've talked a little bit about how industrious you are, Joe. How all the books you've written, you've hosted three podcasts, you were a travel editor, you were a gossip columnist. The, you're, you're over 40 and this is a time in life when women's ambition tends to wane. Do you have any advice or hacks for being industrious post 40? No, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I genuinely don't. <laughs> and I'm exhausted. I have to say, I became... I wanted to be a newspaper reporter, right? Like I wanted to be a newspaper reporter for my entire life. I wanted to move up the newspaper ladder and become an editor, maybe work at magazines, maybe become an editor at large. And then, like I said, the internet blew everything up and I am exhausted by having to reinvent myself every year or every two years and become a new thing. And it's like, I, now I get, and I, but I love podcasts. That is not to say I don't love them. I do love them, but the transition to do that. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should be writing for TV. Maybe I should do this. I, I'm terrified of the lack of job security in the world of what the two words I hate content creation. And I'm a post 40 woman with two very small children and just beginning to have to hurl money at their lives. So mm -hmm. I think that so much of and I want to be very honest about this because I haven't been honest about this in the past when people have said, oh, you're, you're you, you do so many things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I just like have so many ideas. Like a lot of this hustle comes from the fact that I feel like I have to hustle or I become irrelevant or and I'm not even just irrelevant. I don't make money to support my family the opportunities are going to dry, dry up. I mean, I totally feel that. And it is, it does feel like the ground is sort of disappearing, like behind, like it feels like as we're walking, the sidewalk is disappearing behind us. At least it does me in this career as a media person. But how do you choose projects? Like, how do you decide, you know what, I'm going to, I think the next thing I'm going to do is fiction or the next thing I'm going to do is a podcast. It's so, this is the only hippy dippy thing about me. 
that and that I like to burn sage in in my house to clear out the evil spirits. So I guess there are a lot of hippie dippy things about me. Um, that and I believe that Hillary Clinton is the devil who eats babies. But <laughs> see, QAnon, it's getting to everybody. No, I I think a project kind of picks you. Like I have a thousand ideas a day and I want to do a thousand different ideas a day. But I actually make myself sit down and start writing them and thinking about them. And force I'm I'm a very habitual person. I think that we've talked about this before. I make myself write a thousand to two thousand words of whatever project I'm working on every single day. And if I can't do that for about a week or two weeks, the project doesn't really want to happen. It was just clearly a whim. So I think that the projects that do like have legs they they kind of tell you that they have legs but then there's also the terrible process of pitching projects to people i've had projects very i feel like more people are saying no than they say yes now so i have yep. i have projects that i think would have been a goddamn home run as a podcast or a tv show two to three years ago and now people are like nope so i think I, I am. I'm iterating more and more things than I ever have before in my life. And that that is that can be exhausting. The good thing is that I I genuinely I think I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. I love telling other people's stories, which is why I don't want to be an influencer because I have no interest in being famous myself. I hate I hate that concept. But I feel like more and more you have to be make yourself somewhat famous to be a storyteller to actually reach other humans. That got dark. I got dark, guys. I'm no, sorry. No, you didn't. You didn't no, get dark. No, no. I was thinking, no, I was thinking about how courageous you are. Because actually, it takes quite a bit of courage to put yourself out there like that. And you could say you're motivated by the fear, but, and I'm, and I, I feel that too. But it's also courageous because you're really starting new careers all the time. By, I mean, it's, it's the same like tools. I still use a keyboard, et cetera, mm -hmm. but it's, these are using same, like, do you think of yourself as courageous? No, no, not until you just said that, but I loved it. I actually, I got a little charge, the same charge I would normally get from being like, what kind of Juvederm does she use? <laughs> <laughs> when you call it, like, I like that, that. I, yeah, I, I do feel like I'm reinventing myself all the time and I, I like that definition of courageous that made me feel feel good so thank you for that oh you're welcome how sweet this is all around i know it's yeah, coming it's now it's coming to a really nice place we went dark and then we came back to a place of community and camaraderie and courage also I'm, i can't be the only one that pictures the cowardly lion when i say the word courageous like it just that's the <laughs> only thing that's the only thing i can see in my head of course now i see donatella versace's butt too well, I've ruined you because that's all we're going to look at. Um, so wait, all right, I have one more question for you. What do you still want to do? Oh, that's interesting. I So I want, I really do want to try my hand at a very good comedic television series or a feature movie based off the world of mom influencers. I think it is, it, it, the world is just so ripe for satire, but also realness and rawness and honesty about not just what it takes to be a mother in the world, but what it takes to be a woman in the world right now. And mm -hmm. so I, I, I'm try I'm working on that. And I've been wanting to write for, for TV or movies for a while now. It's not easy. You guys know that it's not easy. Hollywood is insanely it's just like I was talking to my friend Nora McInerney the other day who also has a wonderful podcast and she's like I just think it's a scam 
And I'm like, I think it's a scam too. Um, Cause you know, projects get optioned and then, and everyone tells you they love you and they like want to marry you. And then they disappear and no one ever talks to you ever again. Oh, it's so gross. It's the gross. I've, I have rarely in my professional life experienced something grosser than trying to push an idea through a Hollywood meeting. And like, look, no. let's be honest. We're talking about being over 40. Like there's few, there's few harder places for a woman over 40 than a, a meeting with a bunch of male white TV oh. execs. No, I've never felt grosser. And my last novel, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, got really far in the process. And then our A-list celebrity just bailed. And then it was dead. And every executive that had loved it and, you know, wanted 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 to have, have sex with it, they were just like, oh, no, oh, that, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> Julia Roberts is gone. No one gives a fuck anymore. So I do I do want to do that just because I think that that would be fun to write. But I don't I want to write it and I don't want to deal with having to do anything with people in Hollywood to get it made. So it probably will never happen. Thank you so much for coming on, Joe. This has been really great. Thank you, guys. This has been awesome. Before you go, just where can people find you? I just want to make sure they can find you and, and follow you and your adventures. Yeah. So I mean, it's sadly, sadly, as much as I'm like, I want to quit Instagram. Instagram is the best place to find me. And it's the place where people can do it very easily. So it's my Instagram account is Joe Piazza author. And I put all my stuff up there. I put all my podcasts, all of uh, all of my books and now much less. But there are still adorable pictures of my very cute children on there. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts, Kim France. And Jen Romolini. Our producer is Natalie Rivera. If you want to support the show, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash everything is fine. And be sure to rate and review us on all the platforms, which really makes a difference. You can follow the show's Instagram at EIF podcast. Email us at everything is fine, the podcast at gmail.com. And you can find me on my blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.